Well, welcome. Um, we've got a, a visitor from, from Maine, and it looks nice and sunny up there, which is good. Uh, it's so nice. <laughs> 50, 50 degrees is t-shirt weather for us. I know. And I grew up there, and, and, it, and 50 degrees now down here in Florida, like I was telling you right before we started recording, is like... Uh, sweater weather for everybody here in central florida so um welcome to the podcast um i'm joined by ben um also known as active beer geek on instagram and you have the perfect at least at first glance like are you're our demographic with, with bjj and bruise and you've done jujitsu and you're you're active in the beer community so yes, um, like i start with with all the guests and and just like, you know, like, I, again, like I was saying offline, it's like, we're sitting on the mats, we trained and, and I'm like, hey man, you're a cool guy. So, so what's your story? What's your BJJ origin story? Yeah. Um, and for sure, like if you, if you have any questions along the way, just like totally interrupt me and be like, oh, what about this? What about that? Like, absolutely. Active absolutely. conversation is always so cool. Um, yeah, man. Like when I was in high school, I was such a nerd. Like I, my, I started the anime club in high school. Like I moved to a new high school had no idea who anybody is. And then freshman year, I started the anime club, which is totally the nerdiest thing in the world. And I didn't do any sports, no nothing. And my dad, my senior year, was like, man, you got to do something. And he made me do something I had to choose. So I'm like, oh, I'll do wrestling. Cool, whatever, he'll do wrestling. And I fell in love with it. And I realized like the wrestling team is kind of like the anime club of like sports. Like it was like pretty like, it was the losers who were not losers. It was like the people who didn't click with anybody. It wasn't like, oh, the jocks or this or this. It was like, mm -hmm the people who are in the corner on their own, but they're also like super athletic and like really into like that one sport, but like nobody else was. And we had like a team of 10 people and uh, yeah. And that's how I got into grappling. And then after high school, my dad was like, uh, well, college doesn't really have any sports. And I was like, Oh yeah. I like, you know, we watch the UFC all the time and let's try jujitsu. And it was kind of love at first sight. Um, pretty young when I was like 17, 18. Okay. And where were you attending high school at the time? Uh, Scarborough high school. Over okay. in Maine, Scarborough, Maine. Okay. And you told me that you actually originally uh, were born in Florida, correct? I was, yeah. My dad was in the Air Force uh, when I was born, so we moved to Maine when I was two. Gotcha. So if you're a Mainer, it will be like, you're not a Mainer. I'm like, well, <laughs> my dad was in the Air Force. I would have been third generation born, so, so sue me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, when did you make the jump into jiu-jitsu, and what's the jiu-jitsu community like in Maine? Um, the jiu-jitsu man, jiu-jitsu community main is, it's awesome now and it's evolved so much since I started. Like when I was 17, I was like this super positive kid who like had a little bit of a wrestling background, not super athletic, um, very nerdy and just like going to school for film and just like, yeah, like I love jiu-jitsu. It's so cool. And like back in like 2007, 2008, like if you're in jiu-jitsu class, you're probably a bouncer or you were probably like, I don't know, like a fighter, right? There wasn't a lot of sports yeah, it was building. Sports was coming, and there was a couple people, you know, in and out who were like chill and didn't have any, you know, fighting aspirations, um, you know, besides the sport. So it was, I feel like I was like the only kid in the room that's just like, I like jujitsu. And everybody's like, yeah, so I bounce at this place and this place. And like, these guys are fighters over there. And everybody's like, Jack. And I'm just like, hi. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of like when the scene started and it, it evolved pretty quickly to, to be the, the sports scene that it is and the gym that we, I've been attending since the beginning um, with my instructor has been evolving like crazy with the sport. And uh, yeah, now the I feel like there's way more gyms than there ever was. And um, yeah, the sport's been so proliferated in the state. It's been like the community so tight, but so 
I don't know. Everybody knows each other. Like you go up to Augusta, you're like, oh yeah, go train with these guys, go train with those guys. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's everywhere though. Yeah, I, I think every, I think the jujitsu community, like a lot of communities, whatever the, I, I would imagine it's probably similar when we start on the topic of like, uh, like beer and microbreweries and stuff. It's like that community is probably surprisingly small once you get into it and start to know people. Um, what year did you start training jujitsu and, uh, yeah. So what year, what year did you start training jujitsu? 2008. 2008. So at that time, what was the color belt scene? Cause in 2008, especially in Maine, I would imagine if there's a purple belt walking down the street, they're kind of like the resident badass, you know? So what was the, what was like the, the demographics in terms of colored belts and when were you guys able to see black belts? That's a good, that's a good point there. So, um, Maine kind of has this one dude named Bruce Carlton who he's retired, um, EMS, uh, EMS. Yeah. EMT, the person that rides on the back of the, the, uh, I'm probably getting the acronym wrong on the back of the, uh, the ambulances, but he's, uh, he's been doing jujitsu since he was probably in his thirties and, um, old school dude, like used to compete in, in Vermont and, you know, Maine back in the early two thousands. And, um, he kind of started this underground scene with jujitsu and like, a couple other people were doing it if there was an MMA school, but it wasn't really like a jujitsu thing, right? Like jujitsu mm-hmm. wasn't by itself. He was either attached to something or Bruce was doing it in his basement or like, it wasn't like you could do a gym by itself in 2008. And then my instructor came around 2006 or seven. Uh, his name is Alexi Cruz Pickerel and he came from Brazil and he had three straps on his black belt. Now we looked at Bruce and we're like, Oh, he's a brown belt. Oh my God. Like everybody was a white belt. Maybe there was one blue belt in the room. And then there was Bruce. And then Alexi came and we're like, what are those stripes on your black belt? What does that even mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is crazy. And he came from the source, right? His instructor was uh, Ricardo De La Hiva, And he was De La Hiva's first white to black belt from start to finish. Um, right. So, you know, Alexi's big prankster, like, you know, a 20 year old in a, you know, an older person's body. I'm not going to say how old he is. He'll probably make fun of me for saying how old he is. But uh, yeah, he's a big prankster, super lighthearted, you know, always playing jokes on people, brings the the feeling of the room, you know, much more lighthearted. And I feel like that's what I fell in love with in the beginning was just like the wrestling was so like, Ur. and then I was like, yeah, I like wrestling, but like, it just seems so Ur, sometimes like all like too much. And then Alexi came in and was like, yeah, you could still be like that, but we could still joke around and have fun and still have a really good time. And I'm like, okay, I like jujitsu. Like jujitsu people can be really chill and then turn it up when they need to and then which I think is, I don't know, the nature of the sport, like the interval of like, we're chilling, we're chilling, we're smashed, we're chilling, we're chilling, we're pass, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when he came, it was like, oh my God, there's a black belt with multiple, like, there's a black belt, not alone, let alone a black belt with multiple stripes. And we're like, what does that even mean? And then he, Bruce would dismantle everybody in the room, and then Alexi would come and, and just dismantle Bruce, like it was nothing. And we're like, what? Or like, there's levels to this, right? Like, sometimes you don't realize there's levels until you see like something happen. There's usually a, a moment in the sport where you're like, okay, there's levels. And I'm watching this right now and seeing the next one. And then so, so at some point later on down the line, you're like, I'm just watching the next one. Like it just keeps happening. Mm-hmm. What, uh, where had Bruce acquired his knowledge and who was promoting him to get to Brown before uh, the arrival of the third degree black belt? 
So Bruce, um, I never trained under Bruce. Um, I trained when Alexi pretty much got here, but okay. Bruce was training with us and I knew Bruce since I started. Um, so Bruce was never actually directly my teacher, but I knew of Bruce and, and that's my connection with him. But, um, he was training in Vermont and I'm trying to remember his original teacher. Um, it's a really famous student in Vermont. who's a high level guy and I just can't remember his name right now, but Bruce would travel like half the week to Vermont and come back half the week to his family and like would train in Vermont and, um, go up to Canada to, to compete and compete in Vermont and Boston, things like that. Um, and then kind of once Alexi came, Alexi sort of kind of took over the instruction and then started his own school and that just sort of snowballed from there. And Bruce kind of is in the background of, of martial arts in Maine and sort of still had that mentorship, but not never took the reins, never started a school, never did his own thing. But, um, I don't know if you come from the old jujitsu days of like in Maine, you, you hear the name Bruce Carlton. Everybody's like, yep, we know Bruce. Yep. He kind of started. That's it. awesome. Where, um, for you guys, where would be the nearest place you guys could, I guess nowadays, let, let's talk present day. Where's the nearest for a Mainer to compete? Are there, are there any grappling tournaments, uh, in Southern Maine or do you have to go, do you have to go to like Boston before you can find, uh, grappling tournaments? Um, there's a couple, there's a couple sub onlys. I think one happens in Maine. I think it's the only one I remember. It's one that happens in Maine yearly with, if there is tournaments, um, and, and it's a pretty small turnout. There's one in New Hampshire you can go to, but really the big ones are happening in, in Massachusetts, Boston area, Danvers. Um, Tap Cancer Out's a big one up here in Danvers. Okay. Um, people go all the way down to Connecticut for Tap Cancer Out or any IBGGF in Boston. or um, I think there's one in Connecticut as well. But yeah, basically the two major ones are Tap Cancer Out and then the IBGGF in Boston. And People okay. travel farther than that, but I wouldn't personally travel more than three or four hours. So. Sure. Unless I mean, there's like even a group that of people... Yeah, I mean, and I remember growing up in Maine um, as an athlete, and and you'd have to travel many times out of Maine to get to anything because it's just that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But um, when you're in a more popular, a populous, dense area, uh, I can see why the guys in like Southern California are spoiled because there's so much uh, talent and availability in such a in such a tight area. So it, it's really cool. It's funny you mentioned it's funny you mentioned De La Riva because um, one of the guys I know here here in central Florida, um, also got his black belt from Ricardo De La Riva, which is kind of interesting. So it's, again, it's, a, it's a, such a small world. Um, his name's Juan Aconda, and he, uh, you know, <laughs> he's a very, if you run into him, you wouldn't forget him. He, he's, uh, he, 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 uh, he tells a lot of stories. In, in actuality, he, the, the, the previous podcast we recorded, actually Juan happened to stop by and, and jump in on that. So he talks a little bit about his story. But yeah, he's a Ricardo De La Riva guy, and um, there's a connection between De La Riva and Laborio, which is part of the lineage I'm under right now. So, oh, yeah. Oh, um, I got something to tell you about Laborio, man. He was, at my, he was doing the seminar that I got my black belt at, actually. Really? He helped, he helped tie the black belt around my waist. It was great. How um, about that? Laborio is awesome. So I have a story about Laborio with Alexi, which is okay. nuts. So Alexi was this like, and I, and this is what I remember. I could be totally butchering the story. I could be forgetting a couple of details. So I'll just put that out there before I start. Mm -hmm. But basically, um, Alexi was a, he, he loved skateboarding and he got a little bit injured and he can do skateboarding. He had a little bit of judo, but he's like, oh, I never did jujitsu before. And he walked into this gym that Laborio was, I think, a purple belt at the time. And Laborio was teaching and Laborio would come up to Alexi and go like, oh, hey, do you want to try? And Alexi's like, oh, no, I don't want to try. I don't want to try. 
And so basically Alexa would watch class for like a couple weeks at a time. Never go, never doing it, just watch. And then every day the boy would be like, hey, Alexa, you want to come try? And he's like, no, 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 not today. And then one day he goes, okay, I'll try it, but only with you because you seem like the nicest guy in the room and I want to try it with somebody who I think knows what they're doing. And that's how Alexi started. No kidding. And this was, uh, do you know where in Brazil this happened or? I want to say it was Rio. I know Alexi grew up in Belém. Um, okay. And he brought jiu-jitsu back to Belém after he became a black belt and he opened up a school in Belém, which is still around. Um, so he's, you know, he's, I, I think, <laughs> to my perspective, to my knowledge, he's kind of like the grandfather of jiu-jitsu in Belém. Okay. But he got his black belt in Rio and then went back to his hometown of Belém, brought jiu-jitsu over there, and it's like a thriving thing now, kind of similar to how Maine is, where it didn't have anything before. And then Alexei came in, brought this positivity and this awesome vibe, and it just sort of became what it is now you know doesn't seem like vibrant as like boston could be but like definitely for me and like there's a bunch of schools now and every kind of major area has their own sort of pocket mm-hmm. so if i'm doing the math right and and you said you start around 2008 correct mm-hmm. so that's like 13 years for the most part right that you've been training did you um what's the longest break you've had when it's come to your training probably covid COVID, okay. You never suffered any major injuries that, that kept you off the mats for an extended period of time? Not really. Um, That's good. I've never been super competitive. Uh, well, no, I've never been a super competitor, I should say, um, in terms of like going through a bunch of like training camps to, to do stuff. And I've seen people get injured mostly in the camps, not the actual competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been just a sort of, you know, average, avid jiu-jitsu person, always looking to learn and train and um, and help teach. But yeah, uh, COVID was the longest just because the gyms were closed for such a long period of mm-hmm. time. And, you know, officially we're not open right now. And I say that intentionally. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, everybody started buying mats about four or five months into the pandemic. And it was yeah. suddenly like, okay, come everyone's to my basement. Garage. Yeah, everyone's garage, garage or basement kind of <laughs> became yep. a gym. That's awesome. It was great. And as a black belt, everybody's like, yeah, you should come and like, you know, we'll have a black belt on the mat. So I was like, so I got a lot of mat time. I felt really thankful for that. So yeah, that's awesome, dude. Um, so <clears throat> what uh, from jujitsu? What uh, what is your act? Okay, so jujitsu is something obviously a big part of your life. You've been training it consistently. What is your vocation? Vocation. Um, good question so right now um i part work for myself i'm a photographer videographer i build websites um i sometimes work on a food truck one of our purple belts owns a food truck in a restaurant so i'll work for him sometimes and then uh what kind of i'm food? not doing all of that Ooh, japanese street food it's amazing Ooh, okay. it's so good Very if you're ever good. in portland you gotta go to mommy okay it's a little hole in the wall it's not super big but they make some really good food and they started off with a food truck for a number of years before they did that that's awesome okay um, but when I'm not doing all of that, um, also I helped start a delivery company last year called car hop, which I'm wearing one of the shirts. There you go. Um, which nobody in Maine knows what in and out burger is. So like we've spoofed this logo. And and like, they, yeah. And they don't get where it's coming from. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you know that because Mainers will look at the shirt and go, that's a nice logo. And you're like, you have no idea what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if they know, they're like, Oh, I didn't know. And I loved it. And I was like, you didn't, it says car hop. And they're like, Oh, it says car hop. Like they, it's one or the other. It's never like they get it at first, but um, yeah. So it's a delivery company. We're the only delivery company in Maine that can 
to deliver alcohol. So that's where we started. Um, and then when we went to food, basically we're the only ones that can deliver alcohol for restaurants in Maine. And we're the only one, uh, we're not the only ones, but we can deliver um, medical retail cannabis for oh, nice. card, card holders. So we're kind of like Drizzly, Weed Maps, and uh, Uber Eats all in one. Very cool. And uh, I mean, I don't want to go too out into the weeds here, but how much time did it get to, um, I would say, what, secure the rights to be able to um, to be the exclusive, you know, um, deliver of alcohol? Like, because that's something in, in, in urban areas, um, I'm not saying, you know, Portland's not, Portland, Maine's certainly urban, but compared to, you know, urban areas like Chicago or LA or Miami, that kind of thing, it's, it's, you know, stuff like Uber Eats and this concierge type stuff where everybody's ordering stuff on their food and getting delivered, especially with COVID, um, is just like ubiquitous and commonplace. So, um, how like, much I never ordered anything came... delivered in my life before I had this company. I've never exactly. ordered anything delivered. Yeah. So I guess my question is like coming into the scene where this is still a relatively new idea, like how long of a process was it to, I guess, navigate the red tape needed that you need to navigate in order to get this stuff done? Well, so we started in December 2019 and I'll, I'll try to make it quick because I know it's not about car hop, but um, we started in December 2019 and we worked with the state to be regulated and compliant with delivering alcohol because um, okay. Technically, we're not delivering on behalf of the, the the store, the brewery, or the distillery, whatever it is. We're um, delivering on behalf of the consumer. So, therefore, um, we are representative of the consumer. That 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 way, we're not considered a third party delivery company. So, in that sense, um, that's how we started the company. We didn't think about food until probably June of 2020, um, when all the taste rooms and sort of all the bars started opening back up for outside seating. And we started seeing alcohol sales go down a little bit. We said, okay, let's try food. We have a lot of vendors who do food as well. Let's put them on. And that is kind of what snowballed into being a predominantly food delivery company now with a lot of alcohol options, um, you know, retail, breweries, distilleries, um, any cocktails to go from restaurants. You know, obviously every mm -hmm. restaurant kind of puts their own footprint on how their cocktails are packaged and, and things like that. And so if you want your favorite dish from, you know, mommy, let's go back to mommy. And you want your favorite mm -hmm. cocktail from this amazing cocktail place. And then you're out of your fifth of, you know, Orloff from your liquor cabinet. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's just ordered all in one. Boom. Okay. Very cool, man. And and you have like a fleet of drivers that are that are doing this for you, picking stuff up and delivering. 30 drivers now across the state. And we're all the way from Bangor down to Kittery is where we operate. So Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, how far, you know, northeast or down east do you end up extending so you get to Bangor? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Right on. Basically, any of the bigger markets. Uh, and we're trying to grow. We're trying to get into Brunswick soon and mm -hmm. um, other areas where we can, you know, definitely help um, because we don't charge restaurants any commissions either. So that's how we can help them with, you know, alcohol delivery, number one, because nobody mm -hmm. can do that. Number two, we don't charge them any commissions. So we don't try to take away from their margins, which are already... Gotcha. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so I said at the beginning your your handle is Active Beer Geek. Tell us where the beer comes into it. There we go. As we crack open a a micro brew for the. I didn't have this right outside of the frame or not. Let's see, uh, so currently, let's start the the vibe here. I'm drinking Flume Squared. Um, okay. Flume Flume is a beer by Battery Steel 
over in Portland, Maine. They specialize in a lot of delicious New England IPAs. Um, and this is the double version of that, so Flume Squared. Um, usually it's like a blue label like this, and then they change it to um, kind of a green, orange, green, yellow. This is like a new thing I'm seeing with with um, with breweries, and, and I mean relatively new, where they're getting cans and they're getting this great print that they can just kind of put on each side, but you can easily remove it and recycle the can without the label on it. And it's just, um, it's a really badass look. And it, yeah, it's just little innovations with this stuff. I know that there's a lot of residents, because I lived in Colorado for three years and there's a lot of red, reticence, ba- um, not necessarily then, because I was there in 20, around 2015, and they were already starting to sh- shift to canning. But there was this mindset of, no, you got a bottle beer, like canning it's, going to change the beer it's going to be all you know i can go on a rant about that that's actually crazy um we'll we'll get to my origin story later i hate talking about myself but um it's so funny because back when i turned 21 back in 2011 and i'm sorry if that offends anybody to say that um some people are like really 2011 that's when you turned 21 um i tend to i tend to historically been the youngest ones on the mats every time someone's just like really really you're that young and i'm like i can't control that but anyway um so in 2011 everybody was bottling like you said like nobody was canning it was this foreign concept and there was one brewery in maine called baxter brewing up in lewiston and they were exclusively canning they were the only brewery that was doing cans and and everybody's like why and like they had to explain over and over again years and years to to why they were canning and now it's almost like you'd have to explain why you were bottling <laughs> nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a flip flop of, of why, because it's cheaper to make these. All the bottling lines are old. Like no one's making new bottling lines. So you're buying old German bottling lines from like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. If you're a mid-range brewery, um, now a lot of canning lines are being made much more efficiently because they're newer. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get like mobile bo- canning lines. You can get different things like in the cans, like you were saying. You can buy a pallet of blank cans and buy just different rolls of of labels and still be able to produce multi uh, skews of your beer and not have to worry about like committing to pre-printed labels, Correct. things like that in your cans. So very flexible. Okay, so what um, I know, I, I know you, there's some reticence on your end to talk about yourself, but you are our guest, so Thank you. Uh, it is part of it. So um, yeah, what what is where does the beer come in? You're actually very, you're obviously very knowledgeable about it. Where did that come about? And, and I feel like that's part of your, it's at, at the very least a hobby of yours, if not something that, you know, is a side hustle or, or of that nature. So how did you get into the beer industry and what are you currently doing? Um, so I got into the beer industry when I turned 21. I, I should ask you what you're drinking. Good answer. Good answer. If you said it, well, I got into the beer industry when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> yeah my dad was a brewer it's like passed on generationally we did it in the garage legally don't worry no. Um, yeah, exactly. no my dad didn't actually my dad barely drank growing up so uh i always wondered like what how i got into it really but so i had a, a roommate who would bring home beers and i loved them and it was local and i hated like going to parties and trying like really water down and pour beers and all of a sudden he was bringing stuff from shipyard and yeah shipyard can have a bad rap now but when there's 32 breweries in maine as opposed to the 154 breweries there is right now mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of local options so like 32 breweries meant like oh shipyard was in every store you can easily get shipyard 
and um, people might not love them now, but you know they kind of paved the way, like a lot of bigger breweries back in the day. And uh, yeah, I was like, I love these, I love these local beers. I love these styles that aren't I've never heard of, like more malt forward beers. You know, your reds, your porters, your your saisons. Your saisons were my first style I ever fall in love with. And I'm like going to school for media productions and film and um I'm like okay i'm gonna start a blog and i started a blog and then eventually that became a thing where like i could get media credentials to go into a fest to blog about it and um magazines would you know i would write for magazines occasionally and, and other blogs and other things and then i bought a camera and to make my blogging better and then i became a photographer and i just stopped writing overall for like six years ago i stopped writing and then I became a beer photographer and I would do all the beer events in the area. And then, you know, off and on, I would work for breweries as their media person. Like I worked for Lone Pine for a year and a half as their exclusive media person when they were growing um, initially back in 2018, I think, 2019, when they were like exploding for the first time. And uh, so, yeah, like a lot of their media right now I've, that you've seen, I've probably taken. Um, I know they're only in like 15 states right now, probably not in Florida yet, but um so yeah, it's been like the beer industry. I've always been adjacent to the beer industry or working in it somehow. And even now, like with Car Hop, um, that's kind of how I got into it when they're like, yeah, we don't charge our, our vendors any commissions. And I was like, oh, so you can help my brewery friends delivering their beer direct to consumer and we're not charging them anything? Like, hell yeah. Like, I'm still adjacent to the beer industry. And we can still help them out. And that was the whole point of, you know, when I jumped on in last year. But that's cool, man. So alt. Yeah, no. So all told, how many years now have you been uh, active from blogging all the way through the photography and, and the current work you're doing? I'm 31, so about 10 years. 10 years now. Yeah. Okay. So what what has changed in those 11 years that you've seen in the industry? Obviously, you're on the in the, in the brewery side, you know, and, and even the little I know, again, this is what happens. Like I, I went from being a, you know, order a Heineken at the bar to living in Colorado, getting exposed to living right next to new Belgium when new Belgium was still an employee owned company, you know, and, uh, and all the local breweries in that whole area. Then you start, you know, now what are IPAs sessions and Saison sours, all that stuff. And all I also heard was, you know, how much the microbrew industry was starting to eat away at market share from the anheuser Bushes of the world in terms of, you know, just beer sales in the United States. Um, but besides that trend, um, you know, I heard like what local guys were doing, how they were working, you know, to do kind of, I guess, I guess you would call it sustainable, but working with local farmers when it comes to what do we do with the old hop or the hop husks and all this stuff and, and all this cool stuff they were doing. So obviously there are a bunch of innovations. What have you seen um, in those 11 years in, in New England and Maine specifically, uh, this changed from when you started to what's going on to current day? Um, man, so much. Uh, I mean, number one, we kind of invented a style, New England IPA, which mm -hmm. I'm drinking right now. Uh, I did not purposely grab a New England IPA. Okay, so what is a New England IPA? Educate me on this, because this is where I can be educated. So how is that different from a regular Indian pale ale? Um, so... I think I think the New England IPA is named as such because it was popularized in the New England area. Breweries like uh, Hill Farmstead, breweries like Treehouse, Bissell Brothers in Maine, things like that. And I feel like a New England IPA is the lack of using any specific 
vernacular, like, you know, people say now West Coast IPA mm-hmm. you know, versus East Coast IPA or New England IPA. And it's like, I think they're all just an IPA. Like you, you use a lot of hops in them. But to define a New England IPA, it's, um, it's hazy. It can be juicy, tropical. Um, the, the IPAs that you can give somebody that are like, I don't like IPAs. And like, oh, what kind of IPAs have you had? They're like, oh, like Sierra Nevada's Pale and like all these other. Like, okay, there's a little more piney, a little more bitter. And you give them a New England IPA, it's a lot more tropical and fruity. And, you know, the bitterness is still there, but it's hidden behind a lot more flavors that people can mm-hmm. sort of enjoy. Um, so it's not relegated necessarily to a certain profile of um of hops it's it's more it can okay so it's not it's more just um, i mean there's a lot of common hops that are used i should say but there's no like if you there's no affix like like you have to be using citra for these or anything like that no 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 not at all so excuse me there's um like if you look at the ibjcp or the uh the what's the other conference basically the the judging criteria of what the style is there's no like you have to use these hops it's gotcha. i think color consistency um obviously hazy is part of it so i think if you look at the ibjcp which is the international beer judging certification program um they have criteria for styles of beers that you can that they, they would judge your beers on if you were to submit your beer as a brewery to them for for accreditation or for an award and um a lot of festivals a lot of conferences using ibjcp rule set and style guides for like local competitions or anything like that so if you know if you're a judge for a local thing you'd be ibjcp certified most likely and uh yeah i mean it they would have consistency of of flavor and and color and and abvs but they don't call them new england ipas they call them hazy ipas they call them hazy and hazy double gotcha okay so Okay, so it's kind of a mixture. Yeah, so it's kind of like New England IPA is, you know, maybe officially they'd classify it as a type of hazy, but in terms of the fact that we use West Coast, East Coast, New England IPAs regionally, it kind of falls in that class. What's funny is you were talking about the rule set, and you said IB, and you said some letters, and I was thinking IBJJF rule set, and I was like, can you reap in this? Like, are you allowed to heel hook now? In the, in the can we, beer can the leg come across my hip? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, i have a shirt amazing. that says i ipa jjf and it has the lion but the lion looks like a hop but it literally really? is the same color and everything and if you're a jiu-jitsu dude you look at the shirt for a second you're like ibjj wait no it says ipa <laughs> it's the best shirt i have that's amazing that's amazing um how much uh it, it i would imagine you've been able to travel somewhat um at least, uh, so what are some of, uh, what are some places you would recommend traveling both for jujitsu and then also in terms of people that want to check out, um, cool styles of beer on the local scene? Um, let's start with some craziness here. Um, and I mean, craziness is in like, just pull from left field. Uh, I, if you know me, you know, I love Iceland. Um, I've been to Iceland a couple times. Oh, I love Iceland. I was just, you, so you need to go to the uh, uh, BJJ Globetrotters camp. I know I got to do Iceland. that. So it's highly, highly. I mean, and now I think Iceland is allowing people in as of this recording. Um, two nights ago. Two nights ago. Okay, two nights ago of this recording. So this is we're recording on March twenty first. Okay, you're, so you're. I'll just say it for everybody. Where it's like people, if you've been vaccinated and have proof of a vaccine, you're allowed to uh, enter the country now. 
or if you previously had it and had a PCR test. Oh, really? Okay, there you go. So Iceland Air has a uh, Iceland Air has a uh, the article out that if you have vaccine or you've been positive with a PCR test, not a rapid test, then it, you're good to go. You don't have to quarantine. I think for five days if you don't have those two requirements. Gotcha. Um, which is still not a long time for quarantine either. So, and Iceland has a lot of delivery companies that you can take advantage of. So yeah, so Iceland. So back to Iceland. Wonderful. We both love the country. Um, phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal place. Um, the main Brewers Guild hired me to. Um, so there's a little bit of an explanation. So the main Brewers Guild has this thing called the main beer box, and it's basically a 40 foot shipping container, right? Like a big box. Um, and it's a refrigerated shipping container, and they tore one half, one side of it, and they put 80 individually regulated beer taps, and Basically, they filled the shipping container with 150 kegs, shipped it over to Iceland, hosted a Maine beer fest, and then Iceland put their kegs in it, shipped it over to Maine, and then we had an Iceland beer fest here. So that was the inaugural year um, for that, and you know, a lot of the reasons because of Iceland, because we were partnering with Imscape, who's a big shipping container company, and logistics, and they're stationed in Iceland, so we kind of took care of them at the same time. There's a lot of um, mutually beneficial things happening, but... Um, yeah, so I, I shot how the thing was made, and then we went to Iceland, and I got to meet a bunch of people. And then since then, I've been visiting Iceland every year if I could, because the beer industry there has been awesome. Um, it feels like Maine like five years ago, like very camaraderie, very like, and, and this Maine is still that way. But when it goes from like seventy five breweries to one hundred and fifty, it's like the camaraderie is there. Just it feels different. Um, but yeah, Iceland just feels like Maine back in when Maine was trying to really make something with the beer industry and like you feel that energy mm-hmm. and you feel their try and like the, the jiu-jitsu scenes there too. Like, you know, Mjolnir's there, uh, Gunnar Nelson, all those guys are super cool to train with. Um, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you did get to train at Mjolnir and, and take some classes there? Oh, I did. Awesome. I didn't get to train with Gunnar. He was, I think in Ireland or something when I was there, but. What about how, what about, uh, hold, uh, uh. Oh god, I don't want to butcher it. Haldor? What's... No, 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 no. Uh, it's a dude. Uh... I'm thinking. The problem is, I hate to say this because I'm. Hang on, I'm, I'm looking him up on my phone. Yeah, no, because I just keep thinking Hodor from Game of Thrones. It's in my head. Yeah. Um, the funniest thing is, I yes, <laughs> Haldor. Person... Haldor. Okay, I I don't think I trained with him. I also don't know who that is off the top of my head, so I apologize. Haldor, yeah, he's a black belt there um, under Gunner. And, There's uh, a couple of really tough brown belts who seem just strong. You know, like they were... They was were there tall. like a, a guy a little older that just wore like a tank top or a singlet? There was, was a, a local geek, guy that know, came in. a geek in. class. Okay. So I there's went to a, a geek guy, class. You went to a geek class? I mean, we probably met the same people because I can, I can only imagine it's, a, it kind of a, it's a handful, but... Um, I love the facility. I, I now wish every gym had a sauna, a cold, an ice bath, and a jacuzzi, inner gender, in a gym, everywhere I go, because it's amazing. <laughs> like, I went to a geek class, and they were teaching it in Icelandic, and then somebody raised their hand, pointed to me, and then the instructor, who seemed, I don't, I don't know if it was, like, annoyed, but he just seemed like, oh, right. And then, like, said the same things in English. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, like I, I got how you were doing it. Like, I watched it. I can probably figure it out. Thank you for doing it in English. I appreciate it. Um, what what can, belt were you at the time? 
Uh, I was just, I was a brown belt at the You're time. A brown belt. Okay. Yeah, so I was like three years ago. Okay. Cool. So yeah, <laughs> That's it was awesome. just so funny because they're like, "Oh, brown belt from America." I'm like, "Yeah, not a competitive like, not somebody to write home to mom about." So don't, don't like, don't feel bad. Like I'm not. I don't feel like you need to do anything. I'm just here to train. Love you guys. Like love, love Iceland. I'll be here all the time. And um, I just remember like they were teaching in Iceland, and he goes, "Oh, uh, uh points and says something in Iceland, points to me, and I was like, "Uh, what?" And then he's like, "Oh, yeah." And then like, oh, you passed like here and do that. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's cool, man. All right, so so well, I'll I'll, I'll hardly recommend Iceland for uh, for jujitsu as well, and just to visit. Just a if you have if anyone out there is remotely intrigued by Viking culture, you're you're that's like a mecca. Like you're gonna go there and and kind of understand why so many people saw that as kind of the land of the gods, so to speak. Um, just beautiful. Just wild, um, just wild. Just in terms of the the natural beauty and and how diverse it is, just just incredibly wild. So I have a lot of fond memories about my two weeks there, and it was just two weeks, but I, I was able to pack a lot in. I want to go back there in June this year. So every June, if you ever heard of the the Westman Islands, or I mm-hmm. think they're pronounced West Westmanair Islands, it's you drive from Reykjavik, it's like an hour drive south, and you take another hour ferry down to these islands. And there's a lot of puffins on the island, so they're known for like their puffin. They have a puffin museum. Um, beautiful. There's like a former active volcano that has a lot of history to it. And there's a little brewery in the island. There's only like 4,000 people on the island overall. Sure. And there's this tiny brewery that does super modern style beers. Like they come to Maine all the time. They brew like pastry stouts, new IPAs, crazy stuff, barrel-aged things. And they're in the middle of nowhere in this island that's in the middle of nowhere. And in a country that's in the middle of nowhere and like it's crazy i always wish there was like direct i mean i don't know how many people are going to be flying between maine and and iceland but i always i always thought it was a shame it's like maine is so close i mean it's the closest in the united states yet we have to go back to boston just to i have to pass my own city come so i have to drive down to boston and then fly back and pass my own city you literally fly over or when you fly back you're like can i just like hop out in a parachute and just like like come down to where I am because I'm literally going over where my house is. Um, yeah, it's um, it, it, it's well, it's funny because some of the stuff people freaked out about, well, not freaked out, but the you know what tourists find amazing about Iceland. Um, not, I mean, there, 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 there's a lot about Iceland that's very unique, but some of the stuff like the puffins and stuff, that's what I grew up with in Maine. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff where there's a lot of similarity, and and obviously we don't have the volcano. <laughs> You know, we're not literally a volcano in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean like Iceland. That also happened two days ago. Oh. Yeah. Some, I, literally that day, I was I got my finger on the pulse of Iceland news, apparently. So I knew that the volcano on the 19th, I believe it was the 19th, um, mm-hmm. the volcano erupted. And then later that day, somebody sent me that article for Iceland Air and, and how they're allowing more people. And I was like, oh, sweet. But I hope the volcano doesn't do anything bad to you guys. Uh, like, uh, like, That's crazy. Okay, so Iceland, we've talked, we've talked about, you know, Iceland, number one, um, or one of the top destinations. Where else would you recommend going? Ooh, um, a lot of my jiu-jitsu travels have been revolving around beer travel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, when I would go to CBCs, which are crappers conferences, I would always try to specifically stay around where the gyms I want to go to are. Um, Montreal was a great place to train. Um, and have a bunch of really good beers. There's a lot of history to like 
um, Dudu Sial is, is a great brewery up there. Um, amazing tap room, good food. Uh, they had a gym that I didn't even know. I literally threw a dart on a map and I'm like, let's go to that revolution gym. No rhyme or reason. Let's just go right by my Airbnb. I could walk to it. It was great. So go there. And the guy's like, he's Japanese. And he's like, I think a third or fourth degree black belt. And he looked at me, he was like a little bit smaller than me. And he goes, do you know, Bruce Carlton? <laughs> You're like, of course I know Bruce Carlton. <laughs> uh, how did you? Yeah. Yes. Like, you're in Maine, everybody knows Bruce Carlton. He's like, yeah, you said you were from Maine. Yeah, I grew up with him in Vermont. We used to compete together and train together out of the same gym. And I was like, no, no way. I was about to say no F, but I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear. No, we got the explicit tag. You can fuck shit, okay. you can fuck shit whatever you can say. <laughs> cool. So I want to make sure. Um, I used to have a podcast too. So when you're a guest, you always have to, I always keep that yeah. in mind. I'm like, I don't want to say something because I've once said something on a podcast and they look at me and I'm like, oh no, they're going to have to stand. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think that's what makes it more dramatic when there's like a beep somewhere. Because then they're like, well, wait, what'd they say? You know, no, we got the explicit tag. We're good. They said footlocks. There you go. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Montreal was great just from that experience. Like going to there, his name is Koji. It was a BJJ Revolution gym in the middle of, uh, in the middle of Montreal. And, and the beer scene was amazing too. Like hop around from bar to bar and the brewery and beer scene was really cool. But, yeah, Koji was really inviting and really awesome there. Um, and his guys are really nice, too. So it's like, you know, the the instructor, you can tell, like, good schools where the instructor is not only the nicest person, but, like, every person that you train with are savages and want to get a beer with you after. Like, that's the sign of a really good camaraderie to a nice gym. Okay. Very cool. Been out to the West Coast at all? Um, I have, actually. Uh, so I love going to Long Beach, and I love training. And here's a name drop. Um training with chris howder um okay he's great um i was i was in long beach i went there so he goes to new hampshire a lot for seminars and he i've been to his seminar like three times in new hampshire to a gym down there called port city brazilian jiu-jitsu in portsmouth and he like i had his number for something i'm like yeah, if you're ever in new hampshire let me know and like we exchanged numbers and he was a nice dude and he's a creative mind you know not only jiu-jitsu you know legend on itself but he's like a really cool creative dude he loves art and you know tattoos and, and photography and everything like that and so uh and we kind of connected on that i gave him my number and i was like oh i'm gonna be at long beach like let me let me see what's going on I'm like hey man let's like never been to long beach like you're the first person i thought of let's go train and he's like yeah he's like uh my wife's teaching a class on sunday totally stopped by this is our address it's the time i might be there after but like we'll see i was like great i stopped by his wife's great uh, i forgot my belt so i had like a pink belt like mm-hmm. I make fun of myself all the time. I'm like, Hey, I forgot my brown belt. And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Here's your, like grab a brown belt in the wall. I'm like, can I wear the pink belt? Cause that'd be really cool. And they're like, yeah, yeah, go to the pink belt. Like, okay. Um, and again, his gym is so cool. Like it's so tiny. And so, and then he comes in after her class with like four black belts and then he comes in too. And I'm like, uh, like, here's the death squad like before dan her death squad was called the dan death squad i was like here's the death squad walking in and they just like awesome roles great guys but yeah it was really it was a cool experience in in long beach very cool man very cool what um when you've traveled what what would you recommend to people um for how to be a good guest dropping in at, at another jujitsu school because um i'm sure like every gym has a different culture, has different, 
you know how traditional they are how not traditional they are that sort of thing so in in your in in your opinion what are some good tips for people that are interested in in traveling and taking advantage of dropping in and cross training a little bit and doing it in a way that um they'll get the most most out of it and and not cause any waves potentially um there's a bunch to it and and you kind of learn over the over time but like a really good couple of really good things are doing your research ahead of time is really good to to try to see some gyms are still you know to each their own and they can do whatever they want but some gyms are still caught up in some of the politics from lineage and and that's okay you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna judge anybody you know because everybody's running a gym and jujitsu is is as long as more people are doing jujitsu i'm happy but um you know, sometimes you got to just call the gyms ahead of time and be like, hey, this is who I am. This is where my lineage is. And um, just wanted to bring that up before I come visit, if that's okay. And and, and 99% of the time, they're going to be like, absolutely. Yep. Here's our class fees. Here's our classes. Go to our website. And you're like, yeah, thanks. You know, like calling ahead of time is a real good thing. <clears throat> when you get there, um, you know, pay the class fee, do your thing, um, you know, be respectful, kind of notice some cues. Like our gym is super informal where I, you know my home gym you know, we don't tie belts facing away from the mats mm-hmm. we don't bow to get into the mats but i do that sort of as a as a ha- uh, habit already from back when i was training um as a kid i, I did like karate and so i like remember bowing to the mat so i kind of do that sometimes but uh, nobody else does it in our gym so people look mm-hmm. at me weird but um you know sometimes people go you know one two three clap after a technique just those small things that every gym does that you have to sort of pay attention to that if you don't do or don't ever do, like if everybody steps away to tie their belt and you don't like, they could look at you like, Hey, what's going on? Like, Mm -hmm. just like be aware of some of the small things that are happening that you may not do, but it's okay. Just like, it's not like big deals. Just like, okay, just step away, tie your belt. Okay, great. Um, things like that. Um, and know that sometimes there's going to be somebody that is going to take your head off because, or wants to take your head off because you're a visitor. Totally okay. Tattoo as many times as you want. He'll probably be your best friend after. Just, <laughs> but like, there's going to be somebody, and that's okay because, like, imagine someone was coming into your gym and like you had no idea who he was, and like, you know, obviously I try to walk into every visiting gym, every gym I'm visiting, with like big smiles, handshakes to the room, you know go to everybody's handshake even though if nobody else does it that's how our gym down like handshake everybody hey how's it going hey how's it going ben you know so at least i got to introduce myself to everybody and then with big smiles so at least their first impression of me is like this guy's nice this guy's cool he's not a d-bag <laughs> like hopefully the people who gotta defend the house bro gotta defend the house <laughs> yeah and like i love a good role too but like sometimes you get a you know a purple belt wrestler who just goes that guy that guy who just came in and i'm like all right yeah me yeah let's go like cool it's me and you just got to be okay with that And if he's gonna like neck crank me or something like yeah great don't it's not my gym what am i to complain about rules if it's not my gym Mm -hmm. you know um if somehow that gym would wants to do heel hooks and if that gym wants to knee reap and they don't compete in ibgf at all like keep in mind ask those questions when you call ahead of time just so you're not the person that's like hey we don't knee reap in my school and they're like yeah we're we're not in your school right now Mm mm-hmm what um in your in your experience so first of all like in maine like what is the what's the stance on on heel hooks and and all that jazz is that like open territory is it like no no we don't do that or like i think it depends on which school you're in mm-hmm. um our school is pretty ibjjf uh compliant i would say in those words um so so we do teach and we do train in, in ibjjf rules 
um, which is kind of how I was brought up. But that doesn't mean that if I go to another school in the area that, and I'm aware of it because cross training isn't super frowned upon here because there's not a ton of gyms to not cross train with. So as much opportunity as I can, you know, I try to, to cross train as, as, you know, just to broaden the knowledge and to build those bridges between the schools. So nobody has bad blood with everybody, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, like you go to some gyms and it's no gi, like I expect I'll get knee reaped and heel hooked if I leave my foot there. And like, that's on me, you know, what am I going to do? Yell at them. Cause I went into their gym and their class and said, Hey, we don't do that. Like, like that's not, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, and it makes me better. You know, like if I go to their gym and they start doing that stuff, I got to be aware of certain techniques that maybe I'm not used to doing in my gym and that makes me better. But Okay. Now at, at your gym, uh, do you have any Nogi classes or exclusively Gi stuff? Okay. We do. Yeah. Uh, Sundays actually today was our Nogi class of the week. So okay. we try to do it more often when we can. All right. And for you, or do you have a preference? Gi, Nogi? I have preferences. My preference is gi, but I mean, I grew up kind of with both, okay. um, training with, with different gyms and, and trying to know that it's not just revolves around the gi, even though I love the gi, but the game revolves around no gi as well. So <clears throat> you got to know both to, to respect both. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, um, in terms of, you know, uh, going back to like dropping into gyms and stuff, what is, um, what is one of the crazier encounters you've had dropping into uh, a gym without, you know, naming names or incriminating people? But like, I don't think there's any been any negative. Oh, I'm not. I'm not actually. Dig I'm not necessarily looking for for negative. It's just like, like you said. I mean, what you said about Chris Howder, where it's like, well, I went to a class and then he showed up later with all these black belts and we got to roll. Like that's a that's a pretty badass story right there. You know, so it was great. And then he just bought a Sony camera and I just bought a Sony camera. So we were like geeking out about like Sony camera, like settings and things like that. Me and Chris. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he let me put his sticker on the wall. So if you go in there and you like walk into the thing and like right below the light switch is an active beer geek sticker. So I feel pretty honored to have my sticker on as well. I don't know if he took it off. If he took it off, I don't blame him. Like it's a beer <laughs> thing. I know he doesn't drink that much. So Honestly, if it was just like he, if he just said, "Yeah, put on, put the sticker on your wall," and then like a year later took it off, I don't blame him at all. But like, I was pretty, I was pretty like, yeah, my sticker's on his wall for like, mm -hmm. you know, it was pretty cool. So, um, going back to kind of the earlier days of, of your training, because um, I kind of touched on it by you know, there's kind of a scarcity of knowledge, certainly a scarcity of colored belts. Yeah, yeah. What you know, obviously nowadays. Uh, you know, with YouTube, with instructionals being so readily available, like people can, you know, we're overexposed to knowledge now. But back in the late, you know, was it the late, not tens, but early 2000s, so, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, like early on when you started, um, what was being taught and how are you guys acquiring your knowledge? Um, <clears throat> I mean, Alexi was my teacher from the beginning and he did... I mean, it, it was pretty basic stuff. Um, it is funny how you do realize like that the game has evolved over time. And, and if you have a really, I don't want to say really good instructor, because I feel like every instructor is good. But if you have an instructor that adapts to modern games sometimes, and they'll start to do like bearing bolos when it comes out and start, you know, they'll, they'll start playing. And you, you can see the progression of like, they'll start playing with them in roles before they'll teach them just to kind of cement some of that technique before they put it out there to, to be taught. But <clears throat> like, I just remember Lexi, like somehow sometimes he'll try stuff 
And I'm like, man, he's been doing this a lot. And then like a month later, he'll like do a two week thing on it. Mm-hmm. Just because like I know he wanted to like get out all of the cobwebs from the techniques and really hone it up before he like gives it to us as like here I, I want to teach it to you to like put it into your Rolodex. But um, Bramble is a good example of that. But like you know any uh, yeah I mean back in the day it was it was pretty simple stuff standing to pass uh, over under pass he's a big over under passer. Mm-hmm. It's always funny how like the instructor's fingerprint is like. You can see that on every student. <clears throat> and like I see videos of Alexi rolling like 12, 13 years ago. And I'm like, that looks just like how I roll now. Because like that's when I started. And that's like the most impressionable times of jujitsu is like your beginner white, blue, sure. maybe beginning purple belts. Um, and then you really start to, to come into your own in a lot of ways. But yeah, the beginning times, you, you really kind of like... You just kind of like start to read. It's like when you grow up and you're like, man, I'm never like my dad. And then like you're in your 20s, you're like, I am very much like my dad. <laughs> like it's that same feeling of like, oh, I roll just like Alexi sometimes. Yeah. All right. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that makes total sense. That's awesome. Have um, Have you ever been to Brazil? I have not, but I want to. Um, I know some really great brewers in the south of Brazil. Oh, that's awesome. I'd love to visit and love to train. Well, definitely, yeah, definitely check that out, man. As hopefully, as uh, travel becomes more normal again and everything comes back to normal, we, we you know, that becomes uh, more of an option. So, um, as because uh, we've been going close to an hour, uh, I don't want to keep you too too long, but uh, I do want to ask you because I always love asking this question. Give me one of your best white belt stories, and that can be you as a white belt. That can be you going with a white belt. But there are always white belt stories, and I always find them funny. And the funny thing is we all find them relatable, whether we're the white belt or we're the one dealing with the white belt. Um, <clears throat> I think I have a really funny white belt story, and I wasn't rolling to them. So does that count? Like it was That's a, fine, absolutely. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> and I'll name drop him because he's awesome. He, he helps coach the USM wrestling team over here. His name is John Dupree. And he's a jokester, just like Alexi. Him and Alexi got along super well when he started coming here. Um, I want to say it was like seven years ago, maybe. But he, um, John's a phenom wrestler, super high level athlete. He's done since he's came here. He's done, you know, I think he's gone NCAA um, gold or silver medal from USM and the wrestling team, and then coached it after. And then he's done a bunch of fights, um, MMA wise. So he, and he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. He's like a phenom person but like so he comes in he's just started and this is probably three locations ago for us so yeah probably a while ago and uh he comes in and uh there's one of our blue belts or purple belts i can't remember who's rolling them and he tells alexi like yeah you know i've rolled a little bit but not too much you know like been to a few classes and alexi's like okay yeah yeah go roll with our purple ball he's really nice he's really awesome he's like yeah yeah and he starts rolling um and like kind of feels him out and then dupree somersault passes his guard right into side mount and then brian's like i can't get out of sight. what the fuck like just like all of a sudden gets trapped in side mount and then gets like submitted and then alexi stops and he goes okay um how long have you been training <laughs> and uh and uh you're a wrestler yes he's like yeah i've been wrestling my whole life he's like okay good yeah i, I can see that yeah okay <laughs> so like that was the joke of like John was like yeah I don't have much experience at all and Alexi's like okay yeah and then like somersaults over his first opponent and Alexi's like yeah, yeah hold on hold on hold on how much experience do you have 
Um, yeah. Anyway, ever since then, it was like the funniest story to be like, remember John like somersaulting Brian's guard, and now Brian's like a super high level black belt in our gym, but like, and John is like still a super high level wrestler, but it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's always funny when you when you get these guys like, oh, I, I haven't trained, and then you find out they have 12 years of wrestling experience. It's like, oh, so you're a black belt. You just haven't done jujitsu. You've just been grappling your whole life as a kid. So it's... Um, we have a wrestler it, right now, too, like that. It's fun. Yeah, it, it's... Um, th- yeah, if, they, if they, they just have to get comfortable with being off their back, understand guard just a little bit, and don't fall into arm bars and triangles... They learn that right away, man. It's like, oh, God dang it. I don't want to deal with these guys, you know, because they, they go harder, you know, and they're used to going harder. And, you know, just jujitsu, traditional jujitsu people, we're more like, ah, tranquilo, let's just kind of, you know, fall back guard. Yeah. And these guys are like digging their head into your chin. And you're like, oh, God darn it, man. Like all that pressure, bro. So that's. um. Well, I think I, they're necessary too. like. Some days I have sun, you know, a ton of energy, and I'm gonna go with, you know, one of our wrestling dudes, three or four rounds in a row, because I'm like, I gotta get this energy out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you've been there where you like come in, like maybe you had too much pre workout, or it hit you hot differently one day, or whatever it is, and you're just like, I know if I roll with just jujitsu people and we just flow roll, I'll come out of the class being like, man, I wish I rolled more or I rolled harder, rolled harder. So just with that like mindset of you know hindsight of 2020. Like, I'll be like, I'll seek the wrestlers out and be like, yeah, let's go. And like, I don't care if I tap, just like, I want to exert more energy because mm-hmm. that's where I'm at today. Yeah, for sure. Um, before pre-COVID, how often were you training and uh, how, how consistent were you able to be? Um, Pre-COVID, it was about, for about a year and a half when I worked for Lone Pine. One of the reasons um, why I worked for Lone Pine, one of the many reasons, because those guys were amazing beer and the people are fantastic and um I, I respected them a ton. Uh, when I was working for them, they were also uh, a mile and a half down the road from my gym. <laughs> so I could do noon class and night class for about a year and a half when I worked there. And it was great. Oh, that's um, awesome. That was probably the most amount of progression I've had during the brown belt days. And then soon after I got my black belt and I then kind of fell down to maybe four or five times a week. And, and it's been about that now. So. Mm-hmm. What was it like um, getting your black belt? Were you expecting it? Was it was it something like, hey, man, I'm probably going to give it to you? Or did he catch you off guard? Like, what was that experience like? Alexi is super traditional, you know, super traditional Brazilian where we used to have a once a year barbecue for the first couple of years, probably the first five years, six years, maybe. We would have a barbecue at his house and it would, he was on the Saco River, <clears throat> invite the whole gym over and he'd be the barbecue master as long as you kept his drink full. He'd be the barbecue master. That was the only rule. You know, you had to make sure his drink was never empty. Um, and you know, he loved cachaça. He loved caparenas and mm-hmm. traditional Brazilian cocktails. And you know, we would do promotions during the the barbecue because he didn't think of promotions to be like a formal thing. It was like a celebration that, like, he wanted everybody to celebrate you getting promoted more so than like learning a technique that day or anything. He was like, gotcha. "You already got the belt." Like, I'm going to give it to you in class or not. I'd rather give it to you when everybody's here and that everybody can celebrate it with you and have it be like a family kind of feeling more so than like you're in a seminar, you line up, buy bell, which happens now and that's nothing wrong with it. But it's funny how like we've moved to a, a much more, I guess, formal way of doing it. But, uh, you know, you line up by bell, the black belts are facing everybody else. And then mm-hmm. you call bell by bell. And, um, and it's great now because I, I think that 
the new way of doing it is definitely better for larger classes. Like now that we have like a couple hundred people in the gym, it's like, okay, that barbecue is not going to happen because mm-hmm. then we're going to have everybody's spouses and it's going to be 500 people and like just unattainable, you know, just can't really happen. So when they're a small gym, the barbecue made sense. Now they're a bigger gym. Now it's like lining up and, you know, unless he doesn't do belts, uh, stripes, sorry, doesn't do stripes at all. So uh, you look at our group of people and like nobody's got a stripe on their belt unless it came from another gym. And unless he respects the belts, he's like, yeah, cool. Uh, he just won't give you any other stripes probably on the mm-hmm. belt. And um, it's definitely more about uh, lifestyle and, and you know, just keep doing it and eventually get the next belt. But when I got my black belt, it was crazy because it was, like I was saying before, it was the Laborio seminar. And um, have I met Laborio before? I did. So Laborio did one seminar up in Maine before he did another one the year after in, in Mass in one of our associate gyms. And so it was the one in mass that I got my black belt in. So I know Laborio, I, I did basically, I, I didn't have a partner that day. I didn't really do any of the t- techniques. I was recording video and photo and <clears throat> um, lined up. And then Alexi was like, and Alexi loves to play pranks again, like I always say, but he did all the belts. And then he's like, all right, that's it. And everybody's like, oh, cool. He's like, actually, I have a black belt to give. To give. And then I was like, oh. and I looked around and I was like, I am the only one from our school here. Oh no! Oh no! Like then it starts to come into you because you're like, yeah, who? Like he's already gone over the belt colors, and he's we're at the black belt, and I'm the only one at our school here. And then it just starts like weighing you, and you're like, no, no, that's not. And then he like starts telling the story, and, and then you're like, you that's me, and you're like, oh and you're no, like, oh no. <laughs> and then you're like, I didn't prepare anything because like they always make. There's always the Brazilian joke of like ah speech, and I was yeah, like, speech, oh, yeah, speech, speech. I'm a horrible public person to begin with. Lack of belt, got to give a speech. <laughs> I know. It's like, um, I don't know. It was uh, Laborio was definitely really helpful with that because uh, I love podcasts, I love one-on-one speaking, but I don't. I'm, I guess I'm just not the best at public speaking. But with Laborio, he um, initially started to. Uh, uh, he he had. So I had a lot of, uh, in my past, some bouts of losing somebody dear with cancer. And um, you know, I, I did lose uh, a wife to cancer a little bit ago. Sorry, my girlfriend just passed me another beer, um, which I'm not even halfway done with my first one, but she's a saint for bringing me another one. Um, so I lost a wife uh, to cancer when I was 23, and Laborio knew that. And I, I didn't go, like, Alexi kind of touched on it, but not really. And then Laborio, like, looked at the room and sort of, like, compared, I think it was his mother who he lost to, to cancer. Um, his mother or father, he lost to cancer. And he, like, and I was already kind of, like, a little crying. And, like, I, I felt like I blacked out through half that. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he did a good job with just kind of, like, intruding and be like, yeah, we, you know, and had his story. And I was like, oh, thank you for, like, bringing me out of the limelight. I <laughs> like, appreciate that. But, yeah, it was, yeah, it was no, definitely no. an unforgettable thing. That's awesome, man. It, 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 it's cool that, um, you know, they made an effort to make it special for you because I think that's, um, obviously, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, but just what I, what I, the little I'm starting to pick up is, um, and I, I'm sure, you know, you can, you can say if someone's a good coach in terms of their ability to teach, their ability to build a community, like they're different criterias, but one good characteristic I think of a good coach is, um, they know that getting a belt, at least in jujitsu, right, is something that doesn't happen often. And they try to make it special each time for that student, you know, and they want to make sure it's not just, uh, 
you know, yeah, come on up. All right. You know, like we, <laughs> like we, 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 we I'm, I'm going to go into details. Cause I don't want to incriminate too many people here, but I, I was at a promotion where an instructor was like, uh, Hey you, what's your name? Yeah. Come 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 on up here. And it was like, didn't know the guy's name. Didn't, you know what I mean? It was just super awkward. It's like, you know, like, you know, make it special for, even if it's a stripe, you know what I mean? And I think in this case it was a stripe. I don't think it was a belt. So, you know, uh, well, that's gonna, like, Alexi, when he did the barbecue thing, it was because he said, you know, you, you, everybody gains their skills from your jiu-jitsu family. So like, why celebrate it by yourself when you should celebrate it with the people who made you better? And everybody should feel that like, it is because of your teammates that you're better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, why not celebrate it as a group? Not just like, you know, and everybody, and, and when that mentality is set in the room and like that sort of thing has been sort of done um and sorry my dog is eating over here <laughs> but uh i don't know if you can pick that up on the microphone but um yeah it's just the uh yeah everybody makes everybody better on the mat so that's the whole point of like celebrating it as a group and then people aren't like oh this is an individual sport because it is it's like wrestling it's an individual sport but also a team sport oh absolutely and it, there's something um because i didn't have wrestling as a background so this is my first forte into or foray into uh um, you know, any, any form of combat sport. And there's something unique that happens when you're struggling with someone and you're fighting them at some level, even though we're not punching, you know, uh, and there's a weird bond that forms. So it's, it's only natural that you'd want those same people that you collected, like you guys have been in the trenches together, um, and gals and, uh, they should be just as happy, and they are. I mean, I'm, whenever anybody I train with gets uh, gets promoted or a stripe, I'm just as happy as I would be if I were the one receiving it, you know, because, you know, we all, it's like we're all pulling the same thing, <laughs> you know, we're all dragging the same thing or carrying the same load, whatever metaphor you want, and, um, you know, whenever anyone gets a chance to get recognized, you know, everyone, you know, partakes. So I think the, the, the barbecue thing makes a lot of sense. And all my Brazilian friends are all about Brazilian barbecue and getting big slabs of meat, throwing a bunch of salt on it, and then just throwing it on the, they look at Americans like hot dogs and hamburgers. They're like, what is that? And they're getting just like <laughs> cuts of meat and just throwing it on. And they're like, we eat the chicken's heart, man. Don't even, <laughs> that's where the power comes from. <laughs> Give us the cow's heart. And the pojada. The, the fajada. <laughs> How many Brazilian oh. words have you adopted over the years? Just cause like, it's either a parody or a meme of something, which is the same thing. Or <laughs> I realized that when I said it, or like, I don't know, like almost as a, as a parody of a word, like everything is just crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely, what's funny is, um, there's a generation of guys at my gym. So, uh, you know, I, I just got my purple belt and there's a group of, you know, like the brown belts or the purples that have been there for a while. Just maybe they don't train as much like the generation before some of these guys are just getting their black belts now, that sort of thing. And they all say os all the time. And we're trying to still figure out because the head coach, Paul, has never been an os guy. Was never, I mean, so we're trying to figure out was there an assistant instructor in there somewhere that trained them a lot? Because the, every time, you know, like, you know, the one, two, three moments, like, okay, guys, ready to do this. And, you know, maybe we clap, maybe we don't. But it's like, they, anytime we would go to, to do the technique after, you know, the technique demo, these guys would say, oh, 
oh, or if the move like he did something, oh, and I, and we're we're still trying to figure out. So that's there's like a generational thing with the os. Um, we cert, like my and I say generation like my cohort. Let's put it that way of students. You know the guys that are that started around the same time. We're kind of like. We always say it as a joke, so we'll like we'll start bowing to each other, and then I'll, like I'll go down, you know, I'll bow more, and then my friend will bow long. Next thing we know, we're like we're, we're like this, but we're literally lying on the mat, like oh sensei, oh sensei, you know, to each other. So for us, it's kind of like a like some kind of, I mean, and and not to be disrespectful, to it, but that, we look at it more like that. Um, but there's a generation in terms of like the big one for me is just, and I think I just got this from Instagram, but Asai and Jesus. Like I just, it's like anytime, anytime we're talking about working out or, you know, guys succeeding and it's like, oh, Asai and Jesus, man, that, that's, that's, you need the Asai and Jesus. So all the, all the, all the Jack. There was a, uh, was it Pohada every day? Yeah. Everyday Pohada. Everyday Pohada. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Cause my friend, one of our blue belts now purple belt, uh, just turned purple belt I think last year. Uh, he started an Instagram account called occasional Pohada. Oh really? That's awesome. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I'm not I'm the worst person to talk to about jujitsu thing. Like I I don't know any of the celebrities. Like unless I met him. Like there's the thing, like I talk about Chris Howder and everybody's like, Oh my god, Chris Howder. I was like, just because he was a nice dude. Like I just I looked him up. I, I found like, oh, out about him great. after. Like I looked him up after I met him, you know, or like Yeah. Or like people are like, Oh, did you see this match? I was like, I don't even know who one of those people are. Like, I don't know. Like, sounds like it would have been a great match. Like, mm -hmm. I'll watch it later, and I don't watch it. Like, I'm wor I'm the worst of that. So, like, when jujitsu memes are happening on the internet, like, I do just go over my head, and I have to, like, hear people in class say it, and I'm like, okay. Like, micro-adjustments, that whole thing. Like, I thought you were going to, yeah, that was going to say, did you get the <laughs> micro-adjustments no wave? <laughs> For a whole week, people were saying micro-adjustments, and I had no idea what people were saying. And I was like, yeah, jujitsu is about micro-adjustments. You're right. And they're like, you don't know what we're talking about, do you? I'm like, no, I don't. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, there's definitely a, a whole subculture now. I don't know how much of it is from social media, how much of it is Reddit, but I actually did see what I what I think is the original post of some white belt talking about how he caught a purple belt with making micro adjustments. And I like the memes where they get these guys, they actually get, you know, I think they find instructionals where Gordon Ryan will will say micro adjustments and then they'll they'll zoom in and have them repeat micro adjustments, micro adjustments, micro adjustments, <laughs> you know, into the camera. <laughs> so I, you know, it, it's fun. Yeah. It, it's, um, it's funny. It's, it, it can be overwhelming because there's just, you, you go down the rabbit hole of just scrolling and you see a technique and a technique and, and suddenly you start thinking, you know, you, you realize you have to develop a filter for this kind of stuff and what works and doesn't. And, um, I think now it's like, I, I was curious about how you guys were learning and, and, you know, you, you had the luxury of having, you know, someone that had extensive experience teach you firsthand. Um, and I know like the closest gym to where I grew up in Maine is called Acadia BJJ. Yeah. And, those guys uh, are great. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, and I, I don't know if he's been promoted. He, he might've been promoted by now, but you know, at the time, a few years ago, the owner and head instructor was a four stripe purple belt, you know? So when you're, Okay, cool. So he he went down to was it uh, Mass? Be uh, he's under Pellegrino, right? Port City, yeah. Pellegrino. Okay, so Port City is under Pellegrino as well. So okay. um, Acadia will come down to Port City for their uh, seminars and their tournaments, uh, seminars and and uh, classes sometimes to do, to get promoted or or just to support those guys. But yeah, Acadia and Port City um, definitely have an affiliate with Pellegrino. 
Okay, that's awesome. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon, especially back, you know, 10, 15 years ago that, you know, you were blue belt, you could be teaching white belts and stuff. And now, you know, there are a lot of brown belts and black belts walking around. So, um, I mean, that's like Cyborg's history, right? Like he was a blue belt in the middle of nowhere and he started teaching and opened a school and now he's who we know him to be today, right? Like it was crazy. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't know that story about Cyborg. His, so uh, where, where his, did he start? I don't know what city he started in. So I don't know much about his history. I just know he did a seminar. How was he not Portland. a savage the whole time? Like, look at him. Like, the guy's a Oh, savage. he's always been a savage, but he's just never been, like, didn't go through the traditional pedigree of jiu-jitsu in terms of, like, having a purple or brown black belt until starting at school. Like, he had a blue belt, and then he's like, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Let's just start it now. And then became a savage, you know, over time, became more of a savage than he is. But uh, his fiance is um, what's her name? Um, her her his fiance trained in Portland at another gym um, in Portland, Portland, Maine. And Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah. So she lives in Orlando, and that's how they started dating. And uh, now they're engaged. But she brought him up to do a seminar when they were uh, going to go to like a family friend's wedding. And um, Shoot, the name's on the tip of my tongue. And I know her. She's great, too. Um, I remember training with her way back in the day before she left for Orlando. But, um, yeah, so they came up, and, and Tyler was super cool. Maggie uh, Grandotti, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. that's her name. And she, uh, you know, Portland, Maine, born and raised. Um, maybe not Portland, but somewhere else in Maine. But yeah, she brought him up and brought him to her, you know, first gym in Portland and the academy. Um, and I went to that seminar, and, like, Cyber was still, like, just – <laughs> just walking I say around. In Jesus, my man. I say oh, in Jesus. <laughs> he had he probably ate six SIE bowls for breakfast every day, man. He's just so like he was so good. He was so nice and so good. He was so like thankful. Cause I, I bring my camera to every seminar. I pay for the seminar, I bring my camera and I just give the photos. Who cares? Like it's for everybody's use. Like jujitsu is supposed to be community. If you want to pay me for him, great. If not, I'm not asking for it. But um yeah, he was just like, oh, thank you for photos. I'm like, yeah, man, here you go. Like, I don't care. Like, thank you for the techniques. I still use them today, actually. It was really cool. Um, but yeah. What's uh, what's what's the one of the another cool seminar you attend? Like, who would, because seminars are very hit or miss. I mean, obviously, it's great to see the person get exposed, but, you know, doing what, um, being able to get knowledge that you can actually take and apply is, is a totally different story. So um, what are some of the highlights for that? From his seminar or from? No, 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 in general. Oh, okay. Like, so, obviously, you're speaking highly of Cyborg seminar, but any yeah. other seminars that kind of. Uh, um, so, Alexi's a fifth degree black belt, and the other instructor in our association who's that high of a rank is Andre Dedeco. Um, Dedeco is uh, another fifth degree black belt. Him and Alexi grew up together and then realized they both moved to the Northeast and then started New England United, which is a big association of a bunch of gems in the Northeast. And Alexi and Dedeco are sort of the higher. Uh, ranking people in, in the association. And uh, Dedeco seminars, and Dedeco comes from a different body type. Like Alexi's sort of a mid-range, like he's not super tall and super short. He's a good athletic build. Um, and the Dedeco's a little shorter, a little stockier. And I feel like me and Dedeco's body type, when he teaches things, I connect a lot with Dedeco's seminars. And I still use probably every Dedeco seminar I've gone to. Um, I use some of the stuff just because it's some of those things that I just keep in my head because I can just connect better with quicker with my body type. 
Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Laborio. <laughs> like Alexi tells me how like Laborio had like the best arm bars ever, but he was so short and stocky, he would just get him so tight. He would climb, 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 climb and get an arm bar, but like it was the tightest thing anybody's ever felt. And uh, and I still have some takeaways from both Laborio seminars that I still use actually. Very cool. So, yeah. Man. Um, the second Laborio seminar that I went to when I got my black belt, he was doing a lot of wrestling hybrid with gi stuff. It was really cool. Like using the gi with wrestling moves and basically being like, here's what wrestlers would think about. And then here's hybriding that with like the natural handles that the gi brings you know, to the game and kind of how you can bring those, you know, into it. And everybody's like, Oh, cool. You know, like kind of intentionally bringing wrestling into jujitsu. Okay. Um, uh, last question. Have you attended any of the origin camps? I won when I was a blue belt. Okay. Um, let's see. It was Alexi. It was Pete. The Deco. Essentially was a, essentially junior was one of the, um, associate professors there. Um, cause I think it blows my mind that like, like I started doing jujitsu and like one of the, oh, the fancy, the Rolls Royce of geese origin. They're made in Lewiston, Maine. I was like, what? <laughs> Don't bring Lewiston into this, man. It's Farmington. <laughs> Farmington. Okay. Well, What's they Lewiston said Lewiston do? to me. So that's, oh. I apologize. No, no, no. Lewiston is uh, less less favorable than Farmington. Um, okay. No, Farmington's great. Farmington's a little more north. Uh, from Portland, Lewiston's about an hour. Farmington's about two and a half. Okay. So a little bit farther up there, a little bit more into the woods. And, uh, yeah, I knew Pete before he started Origin, and I think I pretty much only have purchased Origin since I turned, like, Purple Belt or something. Like, all my geese are Origin. Because, <laughs> like, wow. you just drive up there, try the geese on, and, like, say hi to Pete, go train with some freaking burly mountain men in his gym <laughs> who work at the factory. That's awesome, man. I, I, I mean, the only thing is, like, whenever I go to someone that wears an Origin, I'm like, oh, my fingers, thank you. Like, I can now grab grips. and They're so good. <laughs> And yeah. they fit so well. Like I have origin geese from like seven years ago. I wear daily. Like when I was like training every day at, at Lone when I was working at Lone Pine, it was like these geese don't fade, they don't shrink. Like I would mm-hmm. wash and dry them, use them multiple times a week. Yeah, and they got that patented buckle, man. You don't have to worry about the knot or anything. It's awesome. It's is badass. Well, that's awesome. Well, dude, um, I really enjoyed the conversation. Before I let you go, um, any shout outs? to our listeners what you do anything you want to promote the floor is yours oh thank you uh yeah i mean my name's ben uh active beer geek check out you know origin obviously for for the beer scene check out anything main and beer you know if you're around the country you've probably seen shipyard allagash things like that support your local brewery especially during the pandemic you know drink local beer you have to um they go away they're not coming back so um you know, make sure to, to support your local beer. If you like them, drink them. And uh, for jujitsu, you know, support Origin, American Made Geese. Follow me on Instagram if you want. If not, that's cool too. <laughs> what, um, what, what would you say your Instagram at, at Active Beer Geek, um, what kind of content are you featuring there? Is it, is it just, are you, is that mostly photography of beers? Like, what, what can people expect? So I have two Instagrams actually. I have um, <laughs> whenever I would post something jujitsu wise, it would get like twenty likes, and I would post a beer and it get like three hundred likes. So I realized I separated my personal, basically beer and not beer. So beer is active beer geek. Um, that's the moniker I've been going through forever. That's my my business's name. But then the real Ben Moore is, uh, or no, Ben Moore Media is my personal one, and uh, that has basically everything not beer. 
<laughs> like family photos, headshots, jujitsu, lifestyle, things like that. Um, things that if I posted it to the beer account, everybody would be like, why are you, I just want to see beer, man. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, listen, Ben, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for reaching out. It was a great conversation. And um, hopefully we'll cross paths on the mat one day and, and share a role and share a beer afterwards. Where do you, where do you train in uh, Central Florida, you said? So I'm based out of Orlando. I train at American Top Team Orlando. So it's, uh, it's, there's, um, the 417 is a toll road that goes north-south, and then Colonial or 50 goes east-west. We're basically right at that intersection there. There are two uh, American Top Teams. There's Orlando and East Orlando. Um, even though we're both on the east side of Orlando, uh, we're the ones that just have Orlando in our name um, and not quite as far. But, um, yeah, I mean stop by man love to have For sure um uh, last time i was in orlando i wanted to change with laborio but he was out of town but i was um shooting photos for warrior combat jim uh rajan owns that he's like uh, what's the name of the gym relatively again? new warrior combat something um, Warrior combat let me he, he went to a so i met him at an origin camp um really nice dude and he just opened this gym just got his black ball around the same time i did Super nice guy. Um, it's in Orlando. Um, they do adult classes, big kids program too. So, oh, they're in Lakeland. Kids. Gotcha. Lakeland, yep. Okay, just outside of Orlando. Yep. Um, yeah, actually, I think I went to. I went to an American Top Team in Orlando. I just forget which one. Was it called Black Box? I, I don't. That's remember. the one I tested me. Maybe it was Glenn? that one because I. Well, I did remember you meet a guy named in, Glenn? Maybe it was a really so. Apparently, nobody was there because it was like tournament weekend or something. And I texted Laborio, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not in town, but like, I think it was his nephew, something, somebody Laborio, was running that one, and he wasn't even there. And it was like four people at a nogi class, and I was like, you know what? I'm happy just to be here. <laughs> Let's just oh, train, yeah. man. So it was fun. I remember that. Yeah, it's um, honestly like. Again, I haven't been in the in in the scene too long, but um, I've just really pretty much just trained at my gym. But I do know, you know, like on Sundays, there's like a, a pretty big open mat that, that bounced around certain gyms, and now it's at a, at, at a you know at a gym in Orlando, so people go there. And um, on the MMA side, uh, on the west side of Orlando, there's a gym called Fusion Fusion XL, and that's where a lot of the any fighter, well, not, I, I can't say any fighter, but if there's a f MMA fighter that's in the UFC that's fighting out of Orlando, chances are they're fighting out of that gym. So the biggest guys, like Jacare is currently fighting out of that gym. Um, say Mike Brown's the, from Maine. That's right, man. Yeah. That's Mike right. Brown went to USM, actually. <laughs> yeah. that's And, and we, he, 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 he's doing awesome down there in South Florida. Yeah. Um, the guy I always remember as being the main guy was... Um, out of Bangor, the Irish hand grenade. Uh, what's his name? Marcus Davis. What is he up to? He moved down to Raleigh, North Carolina, I believe. Oh, um, really? Okay. Still teaches down there, still doing his thing. He came up for a wedding, one of my friend's weddings, who is an old school MMA guy in Maine, and got Marcus Davis to come up for his wedding. And uh, yeah, I remember meeting Marcus at the wedding, and it was just like, like you're a savage. <laughs> like, there's some people you meet you're like, like like there's like scar tissue everywhere it's like <laughs> this like 
<laughs> like every eyebrow had been like split open multiple times. <laughs> but he was still super nice. I mean, his wife was great too. Everybody was so nice. But it was, I love going to weddings from like fighters because just like everybody in the wedding are tend to be fighters or jujitsu people, and they all are just like, yeah, when can we take these suit jackets off and like go drink? <laughs> oh yeah, there's some yeah. You got to be careful. If you're the photographer, you're going to be taking some incriminating photos, man. It, it gets wild with those guys, man, for sure. It's, there's always some discretion being a photographer. There's, you always capture something, and you always have to be like, again, play the room. Don't assume anything. Just like always ask, like, hey, like, what do you think about this photo? They're like, uh, that's great. Don't post that. Think, okay, you got it. Won't do that. Thank you. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, listen, dude, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And you, um, catch you down the road. All right. Catch you down the road. Thank you so much. Got it.